0: Hi all, on today's episode I am joined by Adam Baer, who is a Qigong instructor, craniosacral therapist and professional carpenter. With more than a decade of studying the Taoist internal arts, as well as healing his own childhood trauma and his work with sacred sons, he offers counselling specifically for men who seek balance and embodiment of the masculine and feminine energies to outgrow substance codependency, overcome mental obstacles and increase their life force energy. He's also a husband and father and resides in the Northwest of the USA, which is very dark at the moment. So welcome, Adam. Thank you
1: for having me, Jen.
0: I think maybe a good place to start is if you can explain what it really means to embody masculine and feminine energies and how have you gone about this process?
1: Okay. Um, my wife is a huge, uh, component of this question. So I'm going to just speak to her first. Um, the embodiment of masculine and feminine energies is uh, in in and of itself is a process. uh, In some ways is a process of unwinding the patterns of masculinity and femininity that were passed down from previous generations and also the cultural unwinding as well. So the embodiment of that is going to look different for almost every single human being. And, um, and that's to do, you know, mostly just with the uniqueness of each individual's process. Um, You know, the, the, what, 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 what masculinity is for one man say, um, who may be after the, you know, almost like the warrior type, with maybe just big muscles, very muscular, um, very um, not aggressive, but like kind of aggressive. We might label like aggressive looking. That might be one man's um, expression and how he feels truly embodied as a masculine. Whereas another man might go a completely different route, uh, which could be very, and that isn't to say that someone who's muscular can't be sensual, but a man who's looking for his masculinity or embodying his masculinity could be honestly, in some ways, much more soft and sensitive or not nearly as um, interested in his physical appearance, if you will.
0: Do you think, I just find it interesting, like some of that protector energy does seem to be linked up with the warrior archetype and that embodiment aspect. But like you said, there are so many different facets. I think it's important for anyone, not just men, for men and women to, to work out both sides their polarities dualities and learn how to integrate it and i guess that's something i want to talk to you about because you deal with a lot of embodiment of the breath and life force energy so can you talk a little bit about how you work with that and how that is a crucial role in kind of getting in touch with both aspects of of yourself
1: yes great question the first thing that's popping into my head is, and I already kind of I mentioned unwinding, but I'll use unwinding to go a little deeper into this question. I would say that, and we've talked about this a little bit um, in our um, previous discussions. But identity is can be like it can be like wearing a lot of clothes, and maybe it's pretty warm outside, and you've been told that it's cold. And you're wearing a lot of different layers. And right now, I think a lot of what's happening with younger, maybe not younger generations, but people in general, is that um, on the path of healing or embodiment, if you will, we're going around looking in all these different directions for healing, which is very external, which is oftentimes very externally driven. But meanwhile, we have all these layers of clothes that we're wearing, and ultimately, what we—I think—what what we really want, or what I know, I, what I wanted was, I wanted somebody to just help me take off the clothes, you know, to take off the layers of this identity that I, that I—I I was so stuck to that I didn't even really fully realize how much was was layered on the body, the intelligence of the body, or the breath, if you will. The more we tune into that, the more we start to see that the, the the body has its own intelligence, and understands the the process, if you will, or the journey of unwinding or taking off those layers, and it gives us a very direct. It gives us direct access to our own, and I'll use a cranial sacral term here, but. Um, our own, um, I'm missing the word, but it's a healing process. It's a, it's a healing process that's, that's built into like the person's, the individual's blueprint, if you will, for wholeness. And it's, simplis- it's, it's like, simplistic in its essence. And that's why the, like the breath is so important is because the more you tune into breath, the, the things that we are just so distracted with oftentimes by the external uh, world, they just kind of go away. And then you're just there with yourself. And that's something to work with. It's just what you are, you know what you're working with in each moment, or what you're what you are in the moment, what you're feeling in the moment. It just kind of cuts all the BS and goes right to it.
0: I have to say, as someone who has externally explored a lot of avenues and done you know a lot of yoga, and I have to say, in the earlier days when people would just be like, just focus on your breath, I didn't really not that I was dismissive of it, but it's kind of a little bit well, I'm in the middle of trying to do all these poses I'm trying to concentrate on that. And it just seems too simple. Like, it actually just seems too much of a simplistic task to be like, just focus on your breath. And so yeah. I was a little bit like, what? Well, that's it? There's nothing There's hmm. nothing more. And over time, I've learned that there is so much to be said for, first of all, heart's intelligence uh, rather than ego brain, which is an ongoing issue for me. And I think a lot of people that struggling for that balance. But to really... It's the space in between the breaths as well. And I've tried all different breathing techniques. I think it's important for people to find what works for them. But I never paid attention to my breath. Like I just never, it wasn't something, and even when people were saying just breathe, it wasn't something I was really actively aware of how to do it. And I've recently started doing somatic breathing, which is completely changing my life.
1: That terminology I'm not necessarily familiar with, but what coming up while you were we were sharing is I was just listening to, I think it was yesterday. I was just listening to um, a little bit of Alan Watts and you can find Alan Watts. They're called chill step mixes on YouTube. And they're like really cool kind of etheric groovy music that, and they'll, they'll insert clips of Alan Watts giving lectures. And I don't know if you're familiar with who Alan Watts is. Yeah. But one of the things that he speaks to that I was listening to yesterday is that, we kind of, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but part of what is getting in the way is that we feel like we have somewhere that we're supposed to go or we have something that we're suppo- we feel like we're supposed to be and that's the cultural conditioning, which is just another layer of clothing that we're constantly wearing.
0: That whole being, doing, I have to be achieving, I have to, and I get stuck in that as someone who yeah. was always told they were very good at external results and achieving you know, and a bit of a perfectionist in some aspects. That has been a very big lesson and it still is if I'm being honest of I'm not doing this to do anything other than to be with my own energy and be with myself and try to reset and come back to center, which is, I don't think a lot of people will really openly admit, but it's quite hard sometimes to, we have to reframe that. I haven't found a way sometimes to actively stay in that, that headspace. So that's why meditation, yoga, and I'm a big fan of nature helps me come out of that, that stream of consciousness and, and focus a little bit more. Yeah, because I know that qigong plays a big part in your practice, and, and that's kind of breath with movement. So, can you explain a little bit about how that could assist somebody?
1: Yes, oh. great question. I love talking about this. So, one of the one of the one of the um, challenges with um, meditation, if you will, or um, uh, yeah, well, meditation is um, is an emphasis on watching and observing your mind. And the, the kind of emphasis, this kind of emphasis can be problematic for a lot of people, especially as the information age speeds everything up. The mind is, and I'll just, I'm just going to say this and, and as a generalization, but the mind is moving too fast for the observer. And, and I'm speaking of just like the collective observer, if you will, it's moving too fast for the collective observer or the individual observer to actually keep up. What Qigong presents is an alternative to like a seated meditation or watching your own mind. And it, it, it allows you to focus on, it teaches one to focus on specific points within the body or specific regions of the body, if you will, specific energy centers, um, namely like the center of your being. And the when the mind is trained To focus in these areas, real concrete physiological, emotional, spiritual changes start to take place. And they're not happening because somebody is trying to do something. It's happening because the person who's doing the Qigong is getting out of the way. And the Qigong, which translated in English is essentially means energy exercise. So, when one is standing silently in a room by themselves, maybe in the dark or maybe outside in the trees or whatever, that person who has chosen to go stand and practice Qigong is disappearing. But that process takes a lot of practice. It it takes practice and and energy and effort for that person to say, I'm going to go do this practice, which allows me to slowly, safely, dissolve my physical sense of self. And of course the physical sense of self is where all the trouble is. That's where, that's where the energy is stagnated. That's where the trauma might be held. That's where the difficulties are. You know, the tightness, the, whatever, the all the stuff is held deeply in that somatic experience. And Qigong shows us how to, um, how to work with those energies and, um, and not focus on them so much that they become real, but actually focus on them so much that they become non-physical. And then we go back, we're like going back into a more primordial state, which is the non-physical existence to which we are tied very deeply, whether whether we're aware of it or not.
0: But it's so true. I did meditation a lot of the time. I'm like, why am I meditating? Is it because I'm I think I have to because I want to reach a certain spiritual it's kind of challenging when you sort of shift a little bit and you start to get on this little pathway of however you want to call it spirituality or you you can kind of feel like I need to be you know ticking off certain markers along the way and it just doesn't work like that and what I love about qigong is you don't have to be like you know with yoga people like I'm not flexible enough and I don't know how to do that it's qigong really is for everyone like the movements are accessible to everyone of all ages. Yeah. So I would encourage everyone to, you do some fantastic videos on your Instagram, which we'll link all your information below. But I think if anyone's curious just to have a little look and this is resonating with you, just, it's something that you can start off. It seems quite a, a gentle and easy way to, to bring yourself into, yeah. into a different state. Yeah. Into,
1: and I would, I would add to that too, into alignment.
0: And yes. ultimately
1: if to talk about the, the connections between the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, if you will, the the spiritual path is inextricably linked with your personal alignment or your midline, the structure of your physical body, which is, of course, made up of fluid. Everything that is physical and solid in your body at its base level is fluid, including your bones. Now, which, and, just, and I, I should speak on this just briefly because I was kind of like, I got real like, Heady and and like woo woo with the qigong there. Qigong is a a direct pathway to improving your physical structure via the bones, the tendons, the fluid structure of your body. In order to, and this may not be the goal for everyone, but this is what it does. Whether you are whether you are seeking this or not, once you start to move into a physical alignment and your the gravitational the pull of the earth you're opening up to the center of the core of the earth and also opening aligning with whatever forces may be um, present in the universe when you start to do that it, your body increases its capacity for just we'll just call it raw energy right so let's say somebody is like really fatigued day in and day out work got to go home, maybe they have family, maybe they don't, walk the dog, watch the television, eat dinner, and then like the whole thing goes on and on again. And maybe they're looking at their phone for four or five hours a day. Who knows, right? That person, that person's body already has a capacity for a lot of energy, but it's being dispersed. It's being leaked out all over the place. And we all are doing this on some level or not. I I include myself in that. So the, the energy that's already available to us is is there. It's just... It's just leaving our bodies before we're even aware that it's happening. And what Qigong does is it starts to increase the efficiency of your awareness in your physical presence, in your embodiment. And then as you let go by way of the natural process, as you let go and empty yourself of all these blockages, there's there's a natural response by way of the forces that are present and around you to increase the flow it's like taking the stream. it's like making a turning a stream or a small creek into a little bit bigger creek and then into a little bit bigger and then you're into a river and then all of a sudden you have the rushing flowing energy into the body and that's and that's the that's the work that's the practice
0: i also i mean i always go on and on about but i also am a big fan of yin yoga i'm not such a big fan of the more power yogas because I find yin really calms me down and settles me down, but also helps with like that deep fascia, like the deeper levels. And I think that's what we're ultimately trying to get to, to help the body release and shift the energy as well.
1: Do you feel, can I ask you a question? Do you feel like in the yin yoga and I'm, this is kind of loaded, but do do you feel like you're, you appreciating the, the time to really feel into and listen to your body, that yin yoga presents, as opposed to like you said, the power yoga, which is fast, quick paced.
0: Yeah, I've noticed with myself if I do things like I used to run a lot, uh, anything that's like that makes me kind of endorphin angry, like I get too revved up. So, yin yoga, my mind is incredibly impatient, it's more a practice for my mental aspects more than anything because i was a gymnast and i love stretching it's it's not so much that it it's more i'm trying to get my mind to just shut up really in in a sense (laughs) like just i would do anything for that peace and quiet of just like because i feel like i know we're going to talk about this when we talk about embodiment too but that disconnect between head and body i often feel sometimes that i'm not in my body acutely aware of when i'm out of alignment than when I'm sometimes in alignment. Does that make sense? So Absolutely. I'm trying to, so I'm trying to find practices. And I think people don't really honestly talk about it and are transparent about, you know what, I'm doing all these practices, but I'm not necessarily connecting the two together. Yeah. I still sometimes feel like they're separate. And a lot of men that I've spoken to who are sort of looking to get into other practices than just what we said, the quote unquote, typical meditation, there's still, it takes a bit of practice, a bit of wriggle room to connect body and mind, I, I think.
1: Well, imagine, it, like for me, the metaphor is like, imagine that you're, imagine that you're wandering around, let's say the countryside or you're, or you're wandering in the desert or you've been traveling all over the world your whole life and you love to travel. Traveling is amazing. And yet there's some part of you that wants to go home but you don't know where home is. Yeah. This is, this is, this, this is a, 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 for me, this would be a great metaphor for this, for like the new age spirituality, which yeah, we, so we're going to talk about, yeah. which is, which is yes. All of this traveling is really beautiful. There's, there's something really amazing about it. But if you don't know where home is, then, then you're not really ascending. You're lost.
0: And you can't drop in and settle. And a lot of people experience that, but have a bit of a pretense or a facade that they are being, doing, having. And like we've just said, I don't, we don't necessarily believe it's about that. But if I'm being completely honest, I don't think I come back to home very often. I feel like I know the suburb. I just don't know exactly where, like the, like the exact coordinates. <laughs> like, my house is my house is around here
1: somewhere. I know, I know it's around here somewhere. I need
0: like iPhone Find My Home or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. no, there's no GPS coordinates
1: yeah. in my in my body. Siri. yeah. Like, like, Siri, no. take me home.
0: Siri, where is my alignment today?
1: And and just to just to like hit this one more time or I should use a less violent metaphor just to touch on this one more time. Touch yeah. very gently. Yes. Um,
0: <laughs> in a gotta sense. It's got to be PC. Everything's got to be PC. I know.
1: So one of the things, one of the many things I love about Qigong is again, and I'll speak on this probably multiple times in this time, is the simplicity of it. Where you begin is at, is at your home. And the home is your Dan, what is called the Dantian, and that is your, there are multiple dantians, but the dantian that anybody practicing Qigong is going to focus on is the, is the dantian in the center of your, it's in the low abdomen basically. And so it, it has a physical location. It has an energetic location and that is home. That is the place where the energy that circulates through the body, whether it's coming from the top or the bottom, that is the place where that energy is stored. And when people, men, women, or otherwise, when we focus on that place, we start to build a relationship with our home. And whether you're, whether, you're a, whether you're psychedelically inclined or not, when you go traveling, again, this is the travel part. When you go traveling, which we all do every single day in our lives, having a home to come back to is incredibly important. So in Qigong, the first thing we do, and we do it over and over, it's like Zen mind, beginner's mind, is you develop a relationship with your home, with your Dantian, with the center of your being. It's the sp- it literally resides in the center of the universe that is emanating from the being.
0: Man, I've got to stop traveling so much. I, I really like traveling in, re- in real life too. But here's a question that might be a bit strange. So what if, and I'm speaking purely for myself, but I, I do think a lot of, maybe a lot of females, maybe men, whoever might resonate with it. If you've struggled with body image and weight, for example, and when you were just talking, it didn't trigger me, but it just kind of made me go, oof, see, this is where I kind of have a bit of a a hard time. Because I'm not currently okay with my vessel, my abdomen, my solar plexus, I feel like I'm a little bit disconnected from that. So then when people talk about, you know, you've got to breathe into that, that's an area that I'm not comfortable with at the moment so i don't have such a great relationship which i'm working on because it's still part of me and i need to love myself wholly but i do wonder sometimes what would you say to people who are kind of like you know i'm i'm embarrassed by my stomach or my size and how do i find my you know in a home when i'm carrying weight like a lot of people get stuck in the physicality of it if they can't sort of esoterically or spiritually connect in that sense yeah yeah. And
1: I realize I realize that this is a great question. Thank you for asking it. And I realized that what I am going to say, I don't want this to come off as like, oh, it's really easy. Mm-hmm. Cause I am someone, I grew up also with body image issues and I'm a normal, like, you know, I, I, I weigh, you know, everything is okay. Like, yeah. like I'm, I'm a fit yeah. man, if you will. The body itself, the physical body itself and I literally I I forget who it was. Some another somatic practitioner I was listening to was talking about this. The body is the subconscious or the unconscious manifest. So the body is a result, if you will, of what is underneath of our of our awareness, or it's at a different level of awareness and it's coming out in the sense that the body is is part. It's it isn't. It's the past. Right. So what, whatever is present in this moment is also very much anchored in the past. So I say that because for me, it was, it's been really important always to recognize that my body is changeable, but not from the outside. So I, and I've done this in my life. I've worked out gone to the gym i'm a long distance endurance runner i've done lots of different things thinking that my body was going to somehow like i was one day i was going to be like yes i love the way that i look but i recognize that i didn't love the way that i look and i always have come back to and i want to encourage other people to come back to which is alignment when we are practicing and it's a journey, right? It isn't like, oh, oh, I'm in I'm in alignment, so I'm good. I don't have to I don't have to practice anymore. It's an everyday practice of coming back into your center because that that center, that home, that midline, that 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 alignment that we're discussing, that's where the information, the blueprint for your wholeness is contained. It's like a it's like the motherboard or it's where the arc like the architect goes and the plans are in that space for whatever wholeness and well-being like optimal well-being or like authentic true authentic expression of who you are and what you want to look like even if it was what you wanted to look like that information is stored in your center and when when we aren't comfortable with breathing into a certain place, or we look at ourselves in a mirror and we think negative thoughts about ourselves, the wheels just, just keep spinning. And I won't go into all the psychological stuff. Cause that's, that's not my area that I like to focus on, but the blueprint is there. It's about taking, it's about taking off those layers. It's all about taking off those layers and shedding the identities that aren't actually part of that blueprint of wholeness, if you will does that make sense
0: yeah i really that's not is that too heady no i really think we should write a book called blueprint of wholeness i love that phrase i think that yeah um, maybe quite teary just because i think a lot of people and i this is a good segue into self-worth and and a lot of other topics that we want to sort of go into but that's the stuff that people don't talk to you about it's such a highly intimate individual private journey and i think what you said will hopefully bring people some solace and it did for me to be like Stop worrying about like everyone else and just, yeah, getting back into my own blueprint. I guess I kind of wanted to stem from that about self-worth and how self-worth obviously manifests in so many different ways. And a lot of these practices are in essence to, I think, to assist with self-worth. But what about, I mean, I know I'm sort of gearing this towards men, but it's applicable to everyone. You work with rehabilitating, counselling, like a lot of men, and self-worth can manifest in terrible ways. We've spoken before about drugs. And what happens nowadays I'm finding and again just from personal experience I'm finding like a real complacency and defeatist attitude of a lot of people who are just like well this is how I am you know I've always been like this and that really troubles me and I wonder whether you see that in a lot of the work that you do is this a a more of a masculine hurdle it seems to be because someone recently said that to me like well you know how I am and it made me incredibly sad. And I know I have to own that. That's not my stuff. That's, that's their stuff. But I just thought, where does this, where we get to a point, how do we break through with our self-worth? And how can we, what can we just start doing to like shift that? Because I know you've had a lot of experience with this. So I know that's a really huge topic. But I guess we could just dive in and start talking yeah. about that somewhere. But that was a, a man who is very important in my life. And I just thought, wow, that's an interesting headspace like i would say i struggle with my self-worth but i've always come from the attitude of i'm going to get there it's it might be taking me a bit of time but to have a defeatist complacent attitude oh that was really shocking for me so i just wanted to know your thoughts and we can just kind of dive in
1: well there are of course there I'll, i'll just split this into like two you got you have we have the patterns of childhood or let's call it the early childhood developmental patterns which is like parents telling you that you are this way or don't be that way. And that stuff is happening, like even at the embryological level with fluid intelligence and energy that's moving in and out of the womb. And then there's, so that's, that stuff comes through into adulthood. And that's like, as Ram Dass said, that's the grist for the mill. That's the juice Mm -hmm. that we get to work with as adults, heal that stuff. One of the things I've noticed, and I, um, I've been called, um, I, I think it's funny, I've been called the proto- a, a, a prototype man. So I'm not the only prototype man, but I've been called a prototype man. And okay. I've thought a lot about what this means. Yeah, I was and, just about
0: to say, I don't know what that means. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't either, but I started to understand that, one, I have to give meaning to my own life. And for me, what that meant or what that means is that I have been raised in this time as a man with wounds that I have been asked to heal. And now I have children who are helping me heal those wounds at an even deeper level. What I know is I know the male psychology or the masculine psychology. I don't know if that's a thing or not, but I know that really well as I've experienced it. And I can't say that another person's experience is going to be the same as mine, but I understand it very well from myself through both plentiful psychedelic, personal shamanic work, Um, and, and other types of healing work. And what I've experienced in my own life was that I constantly was setting bars way beyond reach for myself. And when I didn't come up, when I came up short of those goals, which was pretty much all the time, I felt defeated and I would become complacent and one of the ways in which I've learned to work with that energy, and I've had some help with some from some brilliant friends and um, athlete brothers of mine who we've stumbled upon practices that don't involve big lofty goals. So if somebody is feeling complacent, first off, if they don't want to change, they're not going to change. Yeah. Like if somebody says, this is who I am, then that's where that person is. and And that's, and we have to just be okay with that. Yeah. But, if we're, but, if we, but if we are that person and we're looking for a way to overcome the negative self-talk that leads to being defeated and complacent, we have to scale back our expectations of ourselves in a big way. And this is very challenging mm. for a lot of people because of the cultural conditioning, which is if you turn on your phone... And you, you know, depending on what you've been looking at, it's very, very easy to see somebody who is a high level achiever, right? So if you see a professional athlete doing push-ups or running sprints or working out, and that person is a, is a physical specimen, and then you look at yourself and you're like, well, I'm not that. And it's going to be really difficult for me to get there. There's no way that you're ever going to get there if that's what you wanted to get. And that's not, that's not to say that we should all be trying to achieve that. But like, let's say I just want to feel good in my body. I have to start identifying what are things that I know can make me feel good that are achievable goals. How many pushups can I do today? Like if I did five pushups, would that feel good? You know, or if I did a five squats while I waited for my, my hot water to boil in the morning for my tea, you know, like starting to understand, like I take cold showers every single morning for two minutes and the water where I live is freezing cold. (laughs) Yeah. I get in that shower every single morning because if I don't do anything else for the rest of the day that I can count as an achievement or a success, I still got into a freezing cold shower, you know? And that's like the hardest thing some mornings to do. It's like, I could just skip this shower, Mm, right? So easy to do, yeah. It's two minutes, you know? Like it's really challenging, but it's also two minutes and I know I'm not gonna die. So we start looking at, like reprogramming ourselves from the inside out. And it's, it's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. It's no, like-
0: it is. It's constant. <laughs> and I was just about to say too, like, I mean, then I I, mean, I know you've done like a lot of we talked about addictions. And I guess that was my next increment of this conversation. It's like, there's, it seems to be like this weird zone of like where you're trying to change. Like for me, when I go through like any type of metamorphosis, I cry. I feel like because it's like that birthing, rebirthing death process. Like it's uncomfortable and it's painful. And when you do try to change a behavior, I think, like you said, it can just seem so like you can't reach that. I think when it comes to like addictions, that's really challenging because, you know, it's like, well, can I go a day without having a drink? Or can I, can I, not binge eat today or whatever I've said addiction. We have so many of them. Can I not look at my phone 20 times today? What would you say to people though, when it's like, you know, you're you're sort of trying and you really want to like, okay. So if we go from the people who really, really want to change and yet they're still struggling with it. And then they seem to be on this like cycle of like, well, like I can't do it, defeat, cry, try again. It just keeps going. Yeah what would you say? And what techniques perhaps have you come across that would help people with that?
1: Great questions. Yeah. And I hope, I hope that if, if one person, if one I know person is there, just one.
0: And these uh, are selfishly for me too, because I, you know, I think it's important that people like us who have done a bit of work and continue to work, we don't have all the answers. We're not perfect, yeah. and. I am a very flawed human being and I think we all have things that we struggle with and can continually improve. So that's why we hope that this can hopefully help other people.
1: Well, and I I have to add, like, I have to throw this in there. Like your flaws, it's really about how you look at them. Like your flaws are also your gifts. Yes. You know, and, and for me personally, in my experience has been that like the greatest hurdle that I've overcome in my life is to not, feed negativity in my own mind like i've never been addicted to any hardcore substances yes i'm i've been i can i can tell the audience that i have been i would call myself a pot addict Mm
0: -hmm. i have
1: been for a long time and that is probably the only substance that i've ever had real issues with quitting yeah um and whenever i would tell myself today's a day I'm not going to quit any feeling or thought that would come up about going back to that substance was part of a negative feedback loop that I was never actually going to get out.
0: Cause you don't believe it. You Don't
1: believe it. And it, yes. it feels like when you have to, when, when we have to use willpower to overcome yeah. something, um, <laughs> That's it's work. very, yeah, it's work. And it's also um, depending again, depending on what your early developmental programming was, overcoming that stuff is, may not be, you know, it may not be even feasible because how how many, how many of us overcame, you know, we all learn to walk for the most part. So that, that's a big thing to do. But, but for the most part um, overcoming those negative cycles is very difficult. Now I want to say this before I forget it. It is easier to, now I'm a programmer. This is what I, this is what I love to do. It is easier to add something than it is to take something away. So I'm going to say that one more time. It is easier to add or insert or however you want to say it, add something to what you are already doing than it is to take something that's been programmed into your behavioral patterns out. Now, let's say that somebody has an issue with drinking alcohol or smoking pot. Yeah. We'll just keep it at those, like, we'll keep it at the the popular. Very ends.
0: relevant and common, especially in Australia. So yeah. And globally, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah.
1: Yes. Trying to quit drinking is going to most likely end with more alcohol. Okay. I'm just, I'm just going to make a general statement there. You're trying to quit drinking and you've already tried the likelihood. And then these are like, there's like statistics on this stuff that I, I can't regurgitate The the likelihood of success after you failed already goes, it starts to go down. Okay. Instead of fixing yourself, you have to realize that you aren't, you have to one, be able to, you have to be able to tell yourself, and this is the programming part. There's nothing wrong with you to begin with. Your, your drinking could be destructive. Okay. No doubt. It could be destructive. And if you don't, if we aren't able to love ourselves where we are, then success is, 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 um, it's always moving. And we'll never be able to catch it. So we have to slow ourselves down to the point where we can recognize like, I'm just setting myself up for failure. What can I do? What can I add to my life that um, is one achievable that could be breath that could be taking, that could be taking five minutes to breathe.
0: It has to be something easy. Otherwise, if it, if it looks like work in my experience, you just, you just bail on it.
1: If we're, if we're, if we have substance abuse in any form, There's a a solid part of us that does not feel comfortable in our skin. And that's what the substance is there to do. It's there to numb the feelings that we aren't comfortable with. So if you can spend a few minutes with yourself, breathing, just acknowledging that you're in space, that's a place to start seeking help is also another place to start yep. but not help from again I'm, I'm kind of a rogue in this way like <laughs> looking at going into programs that may have helped people but are based on the idea that you are not okay or that you're doing something wrong or that you don't have the power i've heard that too right. i you know you i'm powerless this. over my addictions okay i'm sorry aa but that's like an old paradigm, that's an old yeah. paradigm. powerless over your addictions you're afraid to be in your body There are people out there who are very good at helping others come back into their body. It Mm -hmm. requires touch. It requires allowing somebody being in a space, allowing somebody who's a professional to use touch and talk and slow, be able to slow you down enough to then make physical contact at some point along the way so that it's all about this like slowing it down and then and then and then asking for help you know and acknowledging wow i'm not comfortable in this in this body
0: yeah and it's painful like you and speaking from personal experience you have to sit there and sometimes it's just like oh my god i feel like i'm never going to stop crying but Mm -hmm. i feel like it has to come out in order to Mm -hmm. be released and to clear and it's frustrating to anyone who may be experiencing a similar thing where you feel like oh god i've cleared all this and then another layers coming yeah. up and then another one. But eventually it's hard when you're in it, but I have looked back and there have been shifts in, into positive directions. And I think what you're talking about is really important to take the power back, you know, that sort of sovereign aspect, because so many programs unfortunately do take that away from you.
1: Yeah. And, and culture culturally, I was thinking, this is something else I, I just wanted to add in. I thought I was hoping would come up. Culturally, again, recognize we have to recognize that there is that we live in a matrix
0: of -hmm. reality
1: and it is programmed. There are programs that are running all the time. One of the cultural programs is that is the idea, and we talk about it spiritually in the spiritual community, it's called ascension. But the problem with ascension is that ascension is actually a cultural program. So we're talking about a spiritual process that has the same name as a cultural program that leaves people in the dirt on purpose. So, and I bring this up to say that if, if, and you, and we all are, we're all living in this, we're all bringing through from this old paradigm of the ascension, the cultural ascension model, which says success is about climbing this ladder and getting to the top. Mm. Unfortunately, what we do is we look for the fastest, easiest way to climb up. For some, that looks like building a really shitty ladder and just climbing as fast as possible. But the problem is when you get up to 100 feet and your ladder is mm, janky, mm-hmm. is not stable, you're going to fall. Someone once, I was getting, this was, I had been introduced to Iron John, which is a book that all men should be aware of by Robert Bly. It's, it's a book that was written in the 80s, I believe in the 70s or 80s and stuff. Robert Bly is sort of the grandfather of the modern men's, the men's work movement. Someone who introduced me, I was starting to get into that. Someone said to me once this was in my early twenties, and I was already on the path and into the new age stuff and trying to figure out how to manifest and all those things. And he said to me, he introduced me to the concept of descension. And at the time it was like it was like a it was like an explosion went off inside my brain. Because here I was reading spiritual material stuff very very heady really i was meditating i'm doing yoga and all these things and somebody said to me you know introduced me to the to the idea of dissension and from that day on i started to understand that the path up is actually it requires us to go down Mm -hmm. we have to descend into the pits if you will Mm -hmm. of our own darkness and learn to be comfortable there in order to transcend or overcome or whatever but the the path to enlightenment isn't a direct upward move
0: no that's so true i and i use the word ascension too just because wanted a better word because you know when you work in that industry it's kind of like well what else do you use to explain but now that you've said that my gifts whatever you want to call them came online through a massive grief process of losing both my parents and that was like hell that was like purging really going into and feeling the rage and the pain because I was struggling with people telling me like, well, it's been a year. You should be over this by now. I'm like, what? Like grief. And you do all the grief counseling and do all that stuff. But yeah, my Ascension gifts were from going in and, and really into the shitty depths of like my soul pain. That's something I haven't really thought about in that context. So thank you for bringing that to light.
1: Yeah. And and just a quick tie in back to the Qigong Mm. physically. That process looks like um, and is called rooting. Yeah. So before you, before one can, um, what's the word here? Uh, express or open up into the like um, the larger energy bodies. One has to you have to root to the earth first, and so you descend, you root and sink your chi, your life force has to go down into the earth
0: mm. in order
1: to receive the gifts of mother yeah. earth yeah. the raw earth energy that then wants to be channeled through you it isn't even really about like no, it isn't about
0: it's yeah it's it's there might just it's not it's yeah it's yes. universal force yeah
1: it's 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 uh and not to get too crazy psychedelic here but it, it literally is being a human is literally about learning how to merge and channel the father, which yep. is the cosmic energy sky, and yeah. the mother, which is the earth, the dark, the, mm-hmm. that yin, that depth. So, But imagine, I mean, this is it, right? The metaphor is, is actually a real thing, which is that we are a culture disconnected from the mother in, in many ways. Mm. And we're moving, we're moving back toward the mother, especially in men. But as men who grew up in the last 50 to 75 years, the way that we were brought into the earth was a was it's, they cut us, mm. you know, we were cut from the mother and then we didn't, we, and then, you know, toxic masculinity, I hate to even use the oh, word, yeah. but toxic yeah. masculinity is nothing more than a, th- than a slice in the connection between son or child and mother. And so mm. we're coming back into that, but that's where this dissension is really going. It's about mm. being able to dive back into the support. And for most men, Now, I want to say most men, but for a lot of men, somatically, I was one of them. Mm -hmm. Somatically, I didn't have uh, my nervous system was reflecting to me that my connection with my mother was cut off way too soon.
0: Yeah.
1: And so it was difficult for me to go into that place. But that's what we want to do is we want to soften.
0: I just love the fact that some days I don't know what I'm going to learn. I think that's Mm -hmm. a brilliant thing. But I want to talk about something and I haven't really ever spoken about this with anyone you've talked about psychedelics a little bit now i have never been a drug like i'm pretty boring i was a gymnast so i never really drank alcohol i've done like a little bit of drugs here and there but nothing like that would be a habit or a pattern i'm pretty straighty 180 as anyone who knows me is (laughs) diet coke or coca-cola is probably about as wild as i go but hey there's a lot to be said about sugar so let's just um microdosing has been something that has been plopping around my energy space and i'm definitely curious i'm a curious person i like to explore someone who has had some issues with depression it, my own addiction things with eating all that type of stuff i feel like i again this is when we're exploring new age spiritual things got to get bogged down in all the information and then I have a neurologist I've suffered with a lot of migraines and um, sort of not epilepsy but similar types of episodes so then there's like the the panic and the egoic mind physical structure meltdown of like can I do it we spoke earlier about misuse of psychedelics but can we maybe just talk about psychedelics for a second and what is the benefit of them and I just I just don't know enough about it and I think a lot of people don't because there's so much information out there and for someone Mm. like me who is curious i think there could be benefits to it but i have no idea where to even go i know there are some places in australia where you can can do it and i'm sure with further investigation but i thought let's talk about that like pros cons who it's for i guess it's not for everyone i guess it goes back to knowing your own alignment too yeah yeah yeah
1: well i like um I, i like starting i like starting off with um this sort of a not a disclaimer, but like a, just keeping something really simple and then we can dive into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Psych- the plant medicines, mm-hmm. the chemical medicines, which, of which there are numerous chemical medicines as well, they are, in my experience, I'm getting a hit from like the spirit of the bear here. Spirit of the bear wants me to say that the psychedelic medicines in and of themselves do not have any power. What, what they what they show us is what is our level of work, what is our level of work, inner work? It's mm. a mirror. So this, the plants, they are interacting with with brain chemistry and everything's already there. Like DMT is something, that just mm. to name, right? DMT is a substance that is, and Dennis McKenna, who's the brother of Terrence McKenna, mm. world most famous psychonaut. Yeah. Uh, mycologist there ever was says that uh, DMT is a substance found everywhere in nature. And, um, and there's even been, I've even come across information about how certain plants in, in nature that do have psychoactive elements, they also are responsible for the raising the vibration, if you will, or, Informing the surrounding environment. So, not only do psychedelics work in human beings as a mirror to create um, change, but they also do it for themselves in their plant communities or, you know, slugs, for example, love to eat mushrooms. Yeah. So, it's like a check in, really, is what it is. Okay. The, the psychedelic experience is like, let me see where I am in time and space, what, how much work have I done? What work still needs to be done? It's very important to have questions is what I feel. Um, I've personally gone in plenty of times just like, I just need to go in and I don't ask questions, but the power is in the intention. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, what, what are you here to, what are you here to achieve or not achieve, but like, what are you here? What are you here for? Yeah. What do you want to know?
0: Yeah. I feel like it helps with expansion in in some regards. I mean, I can't talk cause I haven't done it, but I have not had great experience on any what drugs I have done. So I get, I'm, I have like a whole nervousness. So I guess having questions is really important because then I feel like my brain isn't going to just run rampant.
1: Well, it shows, it shows when you're communicating with the intelligence of whatever substance you're working with, you're yeah. communicating with them that you are, um, that, you, well, one, you have respect for it if you're taking the time to, to at least think about it and prepare. Yeah. You know, in the early days of my, um, my journeying with plants and, and chemical substances I took it very seriously to the point where I would not eat for up to several days. Wow. You know, it was just a lot of like intensity because I was taught um, that that was what you do. And as I became more and more comfortable with it, some of those like preparations became a little bit more relaxed, but I have gotten myself into trouble also by Mm -hmm. being too relaxed. And so there is this, there's this edge to them where when you are let's say when you're not in alignment you will be you will be either gently or otherwise, depending on mm-hmm. what you need, guided into that space
0: yeah i just think I just wanted to touch on it a little bit because so many people want to talk about it, and it's just it's a little bit overwhelming the information out yeah so I think that perspective is is a wise one to bring and just Maybe before we wrap up, you just mentioned before, and I obviously from following you on Instagram, the spirit of the bear. I would love you to talk a little bit about that and what that means to you and how you work with that energy. Thank
1: you for asking. Yeah, I uh, I wasn't always Adam Bear, although um, I could say that I was and have always been Adam Bear. <laughs>
0: yeah, of
1: course. <laughs> yeah, the bear, the bear has been... F- has been with me pretty much my entire life in various forms. Um, but um, I have, I have had numerous experiences where the energy of this particular um, intelligent being, if you will, um, who has a very long, long history of being on this planet has informed me as to a lot of my, both my wounds and my gifts. And I have had l- real physical um somatic experiences as as a bear which um informed me deeply about some of my wounds my core like beyond just my wounds in this particular lifetime but also my wounds as be, as a as a uh, a feeling a being um when i say feeling like as a sensory creature on this planet i had a very deep deep anger inside of me um that was that as a gift from the bear was linked to um at least one if not many experiences that i had that i had had been through as a captive bear um captive by you know by human beings and um and so in my life yeah i don't know i've just i've just like the more i open up to it her him all of it um, the more informed I am as to like what I'm doing here and, um, and ha- not only just what I'm doing, but how I'm doing it, you know? Um, and I could speak on like all the ways in which I actually behave like a bear. But ultimately, ultimately, it's, um, it's a place that I connect with very deeply. And, um, and it, it also gives me the, the freedom to just be myself. You know, the bear has given me the freedom to just accept, my, accept me for who I am and my ways of being without having to explain it, you know, it's just like, <laughs> this is somehow this, you know, that's just the way I am. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but sometimes I am, but sometimes I have been an angry, a very angry bear, you know? And then there are other times where I just like, I want to just curl up, hibernate, you know, hibernate. <laughs> like right now I'm, I'm, I'm fully getting ready for it. And, yeah. um, and i get excited about it it's like ah uh, it's been such a long year for everybody
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh that's, that's a um, beautiful sacred gift to kind of have thank you for sharing with that I, I i know that was um it's 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 personal but i i think it's beautiful to have and i think it's really nice to have men share those experiences i always hope that it helps other people to talk about their what, however intimate in whatever capacities. Yeah, I just wanted to thank you so, so very much. Uh, just before we wrap up, can you tell, I will put all the links below, but if people are interested in connecting with you and engaging with you, where can they go?
1: Yeah, um, I can be contacted directly at cosmicmanbear at gmail.com. And uh, that's my Instagram address as well. And I also have a website, which is cosmicmanbear, all one word, .com. Um pretty simple. I I love hearing from people and I love sharing. I love sharing what I've come across and I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to engage with people or guide people or share resources or whatever whatever people need. So
0: thank you so much for all the insights and perspectives. You've definitely given me some food for thought today, which I always enjoy expanding my mind in any way I can. So I just wanted to thank you so much for your, for your openness assistance today. Hopefully we've managed to shift someone or help someone. So thank you for being a part of the conversation.
1: Yeah, thank you, Jen. I appreciate the opportunity to speak and share about myself. And uh, yeah, it's been a real pleasure.